With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, crossover NBA podcast, conference finals edition. Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. What's happening, Beck? You ready for uh, the penultimate serieses? Can you say that? Penultimate series, plural, for before the NBA Finals? <laughs> I think the plural of series is series. Is it? In fact. Yeah. I should probably know that as a writer. I feel like I should uh, <laughs> have is, that in my vernacular. That's why we have a copy desk. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll fix it for you. <laughs> that's no actually 100% true. I've, I have, and people on the SI copy desk who have known me over the last you know, 20 some odd years that I've been at SI, I have thrown in words that are either completely improperly used or in the case of one word not a word altogether so uh <laughs> i've I, i've let the copy desk kind of save me a couple of times for sure oh they save all of us uh all the time thank you copy editors around the world for uh helping us not look dumber than we already project ourselves to be uh correct we're not getting the series we thought we were gonna get i'll say that much um at least to the extent that i think if you turn the clock back a couple of months chris I think it was a given in most people's minds that the conference finals would still involve the two defending champs, that the Suns would be in the Western Conference Finals against somebody, that the Bucks would be in the Eastern Conference Finals against somebody. Those are the two teams that people had pretty well chiseled in, not even penciled in. And wow, here we are. No Bucks, no Suns, no Giannis, no Embiid, no, none of the top three finishers in the MVP race. Actually, the top four finishers in the MVP race uh, are not making or not appearing in the conference finals, uh, which on balance, I think is a good thing. No disrespect to the teams that lost in their fan bases, but uh, the unpredictability, I will continue to say, of the last few years is by and large a good thing. Yeah. All right. So we get Celtics going up against Miami, 1-2 seed in the Eastern Conference we get, uh, in the Western Conference, we get uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors going up against Luka Doncic and the Maver uh, Mavericks. So I, I want to look back, though, at, at how these series came about, specifically the Game 7s we saw on Sunday. And let's start in Boston, where you know the Celtics, they looked like they were in a heap of trouble after Game 5, down three games to two. They've got to go to Milwaukee after blowing a 14-point fourth-quarter lead, and they do it. They win Game 6. And then they win Game 7 in what turned out to be a rout uh, against the Bucs. A uh, couple things stand out to me, Beck. The Celtics' defense continues to impress. Um, Milwaukee was the third best offense in the NBA last season. In this series, the Celtics held them to under 90 points twice. Now, you certainly can say Chris Middleton wasn't there, and that was a big factor for the Bucs. But the way Boston defended Giannis... Giannis shot 55% during the regular season. He shot 45% in this series. This kind of continues a theme for the Celtics when it comes to slowing the superstar on the other team. Kevin Durant, he shot less than 40% in that series against the Celtics uh, in the first round. So Boston's defense, 
It's great. And once again, we saw a role player step up for Boston. In game four, with the Celtics season effectively on the line, almost going down three games to one, Al Horford, 30 points. In game seven, Grant Williams, breaking Steph Curry's record for most three-pointers attempted in a game seven. Grant freaking Williams. I thought it was funny. He made a joke after the game goes, just you know, two guys from Charlotte, two Charlotte shooters out there. I mean, Grant Williams was incredible in game seven. And that's what, what the Celtics have been like in the second half of the season. Great defense and guys stepping up that you may not expect uh, them to step up. Tatum and Brown, they were really good, but the Celtics won that game seven because Grant Williams just went off. Yeah, and it underlines once more that while we sometimes default to, all right, you've got the superstars. We know who they are in this league. We know who the guys are who change the entire trajectory of a team and make them a contender, that it matters who you surround them with. Role players matter. Sometimes it is the role players who deliver a critical game, as you just outlined for the Celtics. We see that over and over again. We've seen it with the Mavericks, too, in their amazing run to the conference finals, something that nobody saw coming. And, you know, whether it was Brunson or Dinwiddie, like, you you have to get quality players around guys. This is a superstar league. It's superstar driven. They sell tickets. They do raise your your floor, but your role players sometimes determine the ceiling. And, you know, I, I, I think what the, what the Celtics have done, they kept the core together. They kept Brown and Tatum together. They kept Marcus Smart there. They brought back Al Horford. And guys like Grant Williams developed along the way. And you can't, you can't project every piece of that. But it, it speaks volumes of that organization in not only the, the, the drafting and talent acquisition, but in player development. Um, that over and over again, you know who the teams of the best player development are because you see a Grant Williams emerge or you see a Jalen Brunson emerge. And what the Celtics have done is, is, is astonishing. It's, it's interesting. Like this is their fourth conference finals in six years, Chris. We don't think of this as some like Celtics dominated era because they haven't been to the finals during this stretch. And the roster has changed many times in this six year run, especially at point guard. But been the conference finals for the last six years, like in any era, any stretch of time, uh, that's pretty impressive. They've been to 37 of the 75 Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA history. That's a ridiculous number. Now, a lot of those, of course, came in the 50s and 60s, and the Celtics were a dominant team, but that's still really impressive and shows uh, just how good this Boston team has been over the franchise's uh, history. Um, Ime Udoka continues to really impress me. Um, this team wouldn't be where they are right now without Ime Udoka. And I was among the more critical people of Brad Stevens' decision to step down. We, you know, check the tape. I went back, I've said, had said over and over again that Boston should have aggressively pursued someone like Sam Presti and kept Brad Stevens on the bench. I was wrong. On that count. Not only has Brad Stevens turned out to be a pretty terrific executive. I mean, his moves to acquire Derek White, to reacquire Daniel Tice, that's among the reasons the Celtics are here right now in these conference finals. But Ime Odoka was the right coach for this team. His coaching style, the bluntness, um, ruling more with a stick than a carrot, that's what this team needed. I mean, they had atrophied in the years under Brad Stevens. They had had some success, as you pointed out, trips to the conference finals, but in the last couple of years, they just needed a different voice, and Ime Odoka was the right voice. To Brad Stevens' credit, he knew that. He didn't go out and look for someone that he kind of lined up with philosophically. In a way, Brad Stevens kind of looked for the opposite of himself, right? Like, Brad Stevens is this lifelong coach who played some college basketball but made his bones in the small college ranks and jumped to the NBA. Ime Odoka, veteran NBA role player, journeyman, if you will, who was an assistant coach at three different stops before he got this opportunity. He found the opposite personality from him, the opposite defensive philosophy. I remember going back to the press conference where Ime Odoka was introduced. We kind of took a 
a good-humored shot at Brad Stevens, saying we got to get that assist percentage up. That wasn't very good last year. <laughs> saying that with Brad sitting right next to him at that time. Ime Adoka deserves a ton of credit for that. That's why this guy was number two on my coach of the year bat. I think he's had a phenomenal season um, all year, really, beginning with kind of getting this team past their early struggles, putting them on that path to where they you know, ran off one of the best records in basketball in the second half and getting them here at this point right now uh, to the conference finals. Yeah, um, there's plenty of credit to go around in Boston. And, you know, Danny Ainge, who was there for that closeout game, uh, clearly once a Celtic, always a Celtic. Doesn't matter that he's now leading, love that. leading basketball ops uh, and, and other things for the Jazz. Um probably trying to trade, you know, Rudy Gobert to, <laughs> to Boston, like talking about that Rob Williams guy. He's no good. <laughs> but, like, you know, Danny took a lot of a lot of shots from people over the last few years because it you know it was all about like the picks they missed on as opposed to the picks that they nailed Brown and Tatum in particular and getting guys like Marcus Smart they, they they the core of this team is still Danny Ainge's team and that's not to detract from Brad Stevens and Brad Stevens went out and brought Al Horford back and he made the trade for for Tice um, he he fortified this roster in a really important way and he made the critical choice, as you point out, of who to succeed him and knew that he needed somebody who coached differently with a different kind of voice and a different style. All that to credit to Brad Stevens. But I, I think uh, Danny Ainge has been vindicated with this run. I don't know that he needed vindication. I didn't agree with a lot of the criticism in the first place, but I, I think there's a vindication in this. And, you know, Brown and Tatum, ever since they brought them together, looked like they could emerge as the best young one 2 wing combo in the NBA and that's where they've that's where their trajectory has brought them and Jason Tatum to the precipice of MVP in the MVP discussion on MVP ballots and Jalen Brown a guy who should be a perennial all-star and they're two-way players and that's the thing too so part of this you know look what's Brad Stevens what's Ime Udoka what's just natural progression of young players Tatum has just gotten better and better as a playmaker and as a defender he that's that's a, a responsibility he's holding himself to account for. Not all young players do that, especially if you come in as a really gifted scorer. Not all guys ever branch out. They don't necessarily take on those other responsibilities. Well, you want to be a leader? You want to be MVP? Okay, you got to do these other things. You got to defend at a high level. You got to make your teammates better. You got to pass. Tatum has made those strides. And so if if, you know, while we're spreading around plenty of of due credit, I, I do think it's, it starts with Tatum because you go as far as your best player can take you and as, and as far as they are willing to, to push themselves. And, and clearly, and he had some rough spots in this series, but he came through when it mattered. All right, so early thoughts on Celtics Heat. I think the biggest question going in is who's going to be available. Kyle Lowry is still battling the hamstring issue. Ime Odoka, he said on Monday, Marcus Smart would be questionable with a foot issue. That's the latest Marcus Smart injury that he's been been dealing with. I mean, I think this is going to be... I think this series is going to be kind of a rock fight there, Beck. I mean, I, I think you are got two teams that play high-level defense. They're both physical. Uh, I think it's going to come down from Boston's end. Like, can they slow down Jimmy Butler in the same way they slowed down Kevin Durant, in the same way they slowed down Giannis? Butler averaged 27.5 points in that series against Philadelphia. He shot 51% from the floor, 33% from three. He rebounded at a good rate, about eight per game. He handed out about six assists per game in that series. He was great. And so for Boston, you've got to kind of deploy that same defense that was really good against Durant and against Giannis, albeit you know, Butler plays a different position than both those guys. But you've got to deploy that same defense uh, to have, have success against Miami. Yes, though I would just note and... Look, this has been the case all season. Um, the Heat of all the potential contenders that we talked about over the over the, the course of the season, the Heat had by far the least potent offense. Um, regular season, they were tied with the Sixers at 11th, 12th in offensive rating. Um, so, you know, what the Celtics had to do against the Nets with two incredibly talented and versatile scorers in Durant and Kyrie. What they had to do against the Bucks, granted, no Chris Middleton, but Giannis is the biggest wrecking ball offensively in the league potentially right now. So I like the, the Heat don't have that. The Heat hang their hat on defense first, 
And then Jimmy Butler turns it up to another notch. Jimmy Butler, who will put up kind of, you know, good but modest stats, modest compared to the Giannis's and Durant's and and LeBron's of the world. Um, Jimmy Butler will turn it on in the playoffs, and he has. So it's not that he can't do it. But the Heat don't have any one offensive player who scares you the way that um, that Giannis or Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving did. So, like, the Celtics have been phenomenal defensively. I don't think they even necessarily need to be as good in the conference finals as they were the first two rounds, the Heat are a different kind of team. The real question is, I think to me more, what is Miami going to do to slow down Tatum and Brown? And if they do, if they really disrupt their best offensive creators, where do the Celtics go? Is it Grant Williams hitting, you know, another seven threes? Uh, Is it Marcus Smart coming through? Um, Is it the Celtics simply, you know, fighting fire with fire and and, and just holding the, the Heat down that much further and they're going to win, you know, 91 to 87 or something, you know, and take us, take us, set the clock back a couple of decades. I don't know. Um, the Celtics have more offensive firepower. That, that part is clear. I think a big key um, for Boston is matching the physicality of Miami. Um, Jalen Brown said something after game seven where he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he felt like the Bucks prepared them for what's coming against Miami. When I talked to people in Boston before the playoffs, the one thing they were wary of with the Heat was that Miami was always really physical with them during the regular season, and that physicality had an effect. It was it was, it was was good in those matchups. Um, you, you're probably not going to get any more physical than what the Celtics-Bucks series was. I mean, that was a wrestling match for most of these games. Bodies hitting the floor left and right, so... Um, at the very least, Boston's going to be prepared for the physicality of Miami uh, going into that. And if they can match that, uh, they're going to be in a good position to win. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, let's look at the uh, the Western Conference. Before we go to Maverick Suns, what the hell happened in Game 7 between Dallas 
in Phoenix. I mean, this game was over the second quarter. By halftime, Luka Doncic had outscored Phoenix. Outscored Phoenix in the second half. It was a 40-something point game in the third quarter. It was a laugher. You know, people were tweeting out, let's do running time in the second half. Second half of game seven. And that's what happens. Beck, how do you explain the collapse of the Phoenix Suns? I don't know. I mean, I, I, we're not supposed to say I don't know on radio and podcasts. and uh, I, I, it's, 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 it's really puzzling. It is something that we have rarely, if ever, seen. It's one of the greatest collapses we've ever seen. Um, it's certainly one of the worst, um, not one of the worst, one of the most just, I think, catastrophic and dramatic uh, exits by a 64-plus win team. So the Suns won 64 games, right? And, and by that alone, they were considered the dominant team of this season and of the regu- certainly of the regular season, right? Nobody let me, came let anywhere me pause you right there. Let me pause you right there, Beck, because you're right. 64 wins indicates you are a dominant team. But Patrick Beverly, the Minnesota Timberwolves guard... <laughs> He was on ESPN on Monday, and he had this to say about how fearsome Phoenix really was. What are you saying to that? Basketball player, you could see it in the eyes. They were scared. It ain't about Luka taking his soul. They knew starting the game what was going to happen. He's done it before. They watch, trust me. They have iPhones. They have Instagram. They see the numbers of Luka Doncic averaging 39. They hear me saying, man, he did it to me. He did it to me, Kawhi and Paul George. I'm damn sure you're going to do it to them. They know that. Boy, scared of Luka. Ain't nobody afraid of anybody over there in Phoenix, man. Everybody in the league knows that, bro. Like, it's just that y'all don't know that because y'all not in the locker room. No one's afraid of Phoenix. We wanted them. We wanted them. No one's afraid of Phoenix. I I talked to some teammates. I ain't going to say who because I'm going to say who. Forget it. I talked to Paul George last night, man. Pat, ain't nobody scared of them. So, back, Patrick Beverly, uh, not mincing words there about what he thinks uh, of Phoenix's... uh, (laughs) How fearfully should be a Phoenix. Well, so my 30,000-foot view of the Suns has been this. And I probably even said it on this podcast, Chris. Were they the best regular season team? Yes. Did I consider them dominant in the way that we consider most uh, championship contenders or or teams that we expect to win the championship? No, because they didn't have a Giannis and they didn't have a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry or a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard. They didn't have that guy. Devin Booker's really, really good. Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. They didn't have... Some It was not a super team. It was just a really well, for the time that they made the finals and for most of this season, a really well orchestrated, very complimentary team that, as I've said many times, they were the classic ensemble, better than the sum of their parts. Like the early 2000s Sacramento Kings, wasn't any one player who was the most responsible for their greatness. It was all of them combined in perfect harmony offensively and defensively. But that's also why I still had doubts about them. And why they were not necessarily my pick to come out of the West when the pl- playoffs began. So real quick, just to, to underscore how bad this is of an ending for them. 25 teams in NBA history have won 64 plus games. 25 teams. 18 of those 25 made the finals. 15 of the 25 won the championship. So of the seven that did not make the finals, four at least made the conference finals and lost there. So the Suns are one of only three teams in NBA history to win 64 games or more and not even make the conference finals. The other two were the 2015-16 Spurs, won 67 games, lost to Oklahoma in the second round. And then, of course, the infamous 2006-7 Dallas Mavericks, the year that Dork won his MVP, they won 67 games as well, lost to the We Believe Warriors in the first round. So that's the group the Suns are now in. And where the why we'll be unpacking for weeks and months to come. But clearly, a lot of this has to do with the Mavericks. Their defense was fantastic. They, you know, blitzed Booker. They corralled Chris Paul. And then on top of that, Luka just had a, a, a game for the ages, was absolutely unguardable, absolutely unstoppable. So much of this is, is just the Luka Doncic coming out party. And it's not always the case that the, the team with the best player wins the series, but that was damn well the case in this series. Luca was by far the best player in the series. And no, I I did not think the Mavericks roster was as as perfectly fitting, as well put together as what the Suns had. It's why I expected the Suns to ultimately win it because I didn't think Luca had enough help. Well, apparently he did. Um, hmm. And it, it does me, certainly raise yeah. questions about the Suns now. 
Yeah, let, let me say a couple things first before I get to Phoenix. Uh, Dallas has really surprised me. Uh, Luka Doncic is on his way to becoming one of the great playoff performers of this generation. Uh, he had, did not get out of the first round in his first two postseason appearances, but both those times he went up against the Clippers, who were a better team, and in both those series he played incredibly. One that was in the bubble and one that was out. So Luka didn't lose that series as much as the Clippers were the better team and Luka didn't have enough help. Uh, That's number one. Two, Jason Kidd has really surprised me. Like, Jason Kidd, I didn't think much of him as a head coach, Howard, when he was in Brooklyn, you know, dropping Diet Cokes on his shirt to get a fake timeout. Uh, (laughs) In Milwaukee, you know, I don't think those, those Bucks teams underachieved. But there was a reason the Bucks front office made the change to Mike Budenholzer, which ultimately paid off. I mean, Budenholzer took that team to a championship last season. Uh, so I kind of thought Jason Kidd was all right. You know, he's kind of riding the wave of his playing career. He was a smart player, a point guard, all those things. But I didn't think much of him as head coach. He comes to Dallas. And, and he does everything right. Like that team, just like Boston, was mediocre in the first two months of the season. But they got it together and went on a great run in the second half. And they did it behind a great defense that was implemented by Jason Kidd. Um, He's got a great assistant coach in Sean Sweeney. who's done a tremendous job with that defense. And he's harnessed the players he has, harnessed the power of the players he has. He's empowered Luka much the same way. Look at Rick Carlisle empowered Luka as well. But, you know, he surrounded him with three-point shooters, and he has used that as the foundation of his offensive attack. Jason Kidd, he pushed all the right buttons in this series against Phoenix. He had his team ready to play on the road in Game 7, and Monty Williams, who deserved Coach of the Year, did not. That Phoenix team was not ready to play. Now, on the... Oh, by the way, one more thing on the Mavericks. The Spencer Dinwiddie trade was great. I mean, Dinwiddie looked like a bust during the half season he played with Washington. In Dallas, he has been great when he scored 30-plus points in Game 7 He's a big reason they're moving on as well. He's a big reason they're successful right now because he just fits um, as that kind of third guard-ish with Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic uh, in that mix. Now, with Phoenix, the question I, I've gotten a lot, you know, whether it's text messages with people or doing radio interviews or whatever, like, was Phoenix overrated? Because now you go back and look at last year. And last year, they got to the NBA Finals. But they got there by beating a Lakers team that crumbled without Anthony Davis, by beating a Nuggets team, which did not have Jamal Murray, and by beating a Clippers team, which did not have Kawhi Leonard. So they had a fortuitous path to get to the NBA Finals. They did not have one this year. And in the second round, they lose four out of five to a team that, from a talent perspective, they should be a lot better than. So, you know... Are the Suns kind of one of those regular season E-teams that you have to worry about when it gets to the playoffs? Now, the Suns, they've got a bigger issue. Chris Paul turned 37 during the series, I believe after game two. It's like his body just decided it was 37 then. Like Before then, he was really good in the first couple of games. After that, he was really bad. The last, what, five games of that series, I think he averaged like... 10 points per game uh, over those last five. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers right now. In the last two games, he scored 23 points and he had eight assists. He took 15 shots in the last two games. It's like he just aged, like literally overnight on his birthday when he turned 37. That's going to be a cause for concern as you look to next season. His, I mean, it's his age 37 season, so he'll be 37 during the year. But Chris Paul looked old in this series. And look, we're not going to play more audio of Patrick Beverly, but Patrick Beverly went on TV (laughs) on Monday and kicked the crap out of him and said, Chris Paul can't guard anybody. Chris Paul should have been benched in that game. And you have to think maybe he's right. (laughs) Like, you know, the the way that Chris Paul was playing in that game seven, maybe Monty Williams should have gone away from him sooner. Might not have made a difference because the Mavericks were a buzzsaw and Phoenix just lay down. But You know, the Suns, they've got some issues moving forward. Chris Paul is going to be back. He said he's not retiring. But Devin Booker is now going to be a super max player 
when he signs a new extension. DeAndre Ayton, I don't know what happens there. I don't know what happened between DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams when he played 17 minutes in Game 7, and Monty wasn't looking to talk about it afterwards. Said it was internal, the decision to bench uh, DeAndre Ayton. Now, after not agreeing to a contract extension with him last year, are the Suns going to full max him out? Uh, is Ayton going to, you know, look for other offer sheets? Is he going to sign the one-year qualifying offer? Like, that's a situation in flux as well. So the Suns ended the regular season, went from a team being like, wow, that's 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 a finals contender, a championship contender, a team with a lot of young pieces, to now, I, I don't know what they are. Like, they're, they're a team with a lot of question marks around it. I thought it was really fascinating when Monty said, quote, it's internal when he was asked about it and only playing 17 minutes in an elimination game. Well, they went back and forth at each other on the sideline there, if you saw. Yeah, um, right. There was something going said between the two. But it's it, it obviously hints at something bigger. Maybe that exchange, maybe things that preceded that exchange, maybe things that have been bubbling below the surface all season for all we know. Um, but that... Like when you talk about things that are alarming, like we can overreact to the blowout loss. We can overreact to going from 64 wins to not making the conference finals. It's the job of the team to step back, take a deep breath at the top levels and say, okay, we still are a team that won 64 games that was in the finals a year ago. And that has a really great core. Most of whom are really young and still growing, but you cannot dismiss Chris Paul's age as a concern you cannot dismiss what we just saw happen with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams saying it's internal. Like those are real things. Those are for a team whose chemistry and their um, their their camaraderie, all, all these things, you know, with like all, all the intangibles were all there, right? Why were the Suns without any established superstars, without having a super team? Why were they the team that made the finals? Why were they the, the team that won 64 games and dominated the regular season? Because of all the intangibles, because of how well in sync they were with each other. That doesn't look the case right now. And they chose before the season, Robert Sarver as owner, chose before the season not to extend DeAndre Ayton or not to, not to give him the contract he was looking for. And they still played well. He still played well. But now that's coming back because now if there is tension between Ayton and Monty Williams or Ayton and the team, and the contract is now sitting out there as, as an issue because he'll be a restricted free agent. It just gets, it starts to get messy potentially in a hurry here. And yeah, Chris Paul can't do this forever, right? Like he might have another one of these seasons left in him, Chris. He, he might come back and have yet another all NBA season in him, but there aren't that many more. And I don't know who eventually replaces him. And we've seen that Devin Booker pre Chris Paul was a guy who put up great numbers, but couldn't even make the playoffs. And I'm not saying that Booker hasn't evolved since then. He has, and credit to him. I think he'll be fine once Chris Paul retires. But Chris Paul will retire, and they will need another playmaker, an elite playmaker, to go along with Devin Booker to keep them at this level. And like th those are all very, very real concerns. And look, they knew that from the moment they made the trade for Chris Paul, which was a fantastic deal and has completely changed this, this franchise, but you knew there was always going to be an expiration date on it because of Chris Paul's age at the time that you made the trade. And so right now they have to be thinking about how do we keep DeAndre Ayton in the fold? Do we still want to keep him in the fold? Do we want to keep him in the fold at max value when it could cost us like millions or tens of millions in luxury tax payments? And what is our plan beyond this coming season for Chris Paul or, or for point at, at point guard? Because you got to have some kind of plan in place or thought process in place for what's going to happen if he comes back next season and, and is the guy we saw in game seven, as opposed to the guy we saw for, you know, the first, you know, for, for the, uh, for the regular season. Yeah. Uh, I also, to look at the series specifically, I thought the Suns got a little too cocky <coughs> in that series, you know, going up to zip um, some of the shots they took at Luca. Probably unnecessary. Maybe poke the beast a little bit there uh, with Luka Doncic. Uh, so maybe they learned something off of that as well. But it's a big offseason for Phoenix and an expensive one potentially for Robert Sarver, both of DeAndre Ayton. I think Cam Johnson is also extension eligible. This team could uh, tie itself up with some big contracts for a long time. And if they're the right contracts, great. But uh, you do have to wonder about the future and the ability of this team to be great after watching what they did against Dallas uh, in the series. Uh, any quick thoughts on Mavericks against Warriors? I will say this. If Dallas can find a way to 
get to the finals. It has some kind of like LeBron in 07 type vibes to it, doesn't it? Like, I mean, not to disparage any of the players on the Mavericks, but like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's a good player, uh, certainly better in Dallas than he was in Washington. Uh, Maxi Kleber, good player, but we're not talking about an all NBA, all star type of guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen Brunson, good player as well. Like, if Luke is able to push this team into the finals, it will be like a LeBron-like accomplishment, I think. Especially against a team like Golden State, which is capable of playing great defense, has waves of defenders they can throw at Luka, beginning with Andrew Wiggins, continuing with Klay Thompson, maybe even some Draymond Green if they want to get really physical uh, with Luka. Uh, offensively, they can space the floor really well. Like, this is a tough series for Dallas, but if Luka can pull it off, it's... That's the stuff of lore right there, Howard. That's uh, that's how legacies are made. The, the 2007 LeBron comparisons are, are not wrong in terms of like the context of the team around him, right? Or even the uh, the last Cleveland team that LeBron took to the finals against the Warriors back in, um, in 2018. It, it is similar in that there's no single player on that roster that's an identifiable all-star or future all-star. Spencer Dinwiddie, really good player, not going to be an all-star. Jalen Brunson, maybe? I mean, is he on that Fred Van Vliet type trajectory? Yeah, I don't know. But like, no guarantees there. Nobody else even close on that roster who you'd say that's a future all-star. So it's Luka and a, and a, 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 a lot of really good role players. Um, even, even in recent memory, like, okay, the Raptors with Kawhi, but okay, Kyle Lowry had made some all-star teams. And Pascal Siakam was an emerging all-star and future all-NBA guy. So... Like even those teams, like there are, there aren't that many analogs for this Mavericks team if they can make the finals. And then yeah, Luca will be will be very much like in the in the broad strokes, LeBron in 07 with that with that Cavs roster. Um, just really impressive all the way around against the Warriors. You know, listen, I mean the Warriors certainly looked vulnerable in their series against the Grizzlies. People can make the case, and, and it's hard to argue back because it's a hypothetical. But what if John Morant doesn't go down? And you know, granted the, the Grizzlies. John Morant versus non-John Morant is this whole other complicated thing. Do they still beat them with John Morant? I think the Warriors win regardless, but they had their shaky moments and got, you know, the, the snot kicked out of them in one of those games. Um, but they've had time to kind of rest and recover. Um, Clay, game six Clay is, is always a welcome sight for the Warriors and their fans. And if that is another breakthrough moment for him in this, this season where he's just been kind of just piece by piece getting himself back together after two and a half years off with injuries, you know, really rough injuries. That's a, that's a good sign for them. Jordan Poole at times has looked like their third splash brother. And at times has looked like, you know, like he's a little lost. Andrew Wiggins kind of comes and goes. They don't have Gary Payton the second. He's probably still going to miss, you know, the, you know, the rest of the, at least this series um, and possibly the whole postseason. But the Warriors have, all the experience, all the championship pedigree. They've got Steph Curry. Um, I, they've got home court. I got to think they're favored. I haven't checked the the odds makers and all that. It's not something I do. I'm sure they're favored. They should be favored. They have more talent overall, and they have the experience. But what Luka has done to this point, what the Mavericks have done to this point, is so impressive that I don't think anything's out of the question. No, not not with that guy. Like, he's great. Like, he's the guy that strikes fear in your heart when he has the basketball. Like, he's he's unbelievable. Um, and I saw some of those stats, like, outscored Devin Booker, outassisted Chris Paul. Like, he was, you know, had more steals, I think, than Mikael Bridges. Like, he, he was just all over the place. Both um, of these series could go the distance, Maddox. Yeah. I think I both agree. of them could go the distance. I agree. I agree. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. All right, couple things non-playoffs related before we go. Uh, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers had their end of the season availability. Uh, one of the takeaways, of course, Doc Rivers will be back as head coach, which I, I don't think they're, I think there was, I, I always believed he was going to be back, you know, given the unpredictability of this season, the trade at midseason, the injury to Joel Embiid, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, Daryl Morey confirmed it pretty quickly uh, at that press availability. He also addressed the future of James Harden, who has a player option worth $47 million next season and will be looking to secure a lucrative long-term contract with Phoenix. Here's Daryl when asked about uh, Harden's future with the Sixers. That's the plan is to have him back. That's been the plan since the trade. Uh, obviously, we have to work with his representation, and that'll be between us to figure out how that works. So, Howard, here's my question. How complicated do you think these discussions between James Harden and the 76ers are going to be? And which of these two sides do you think has the most leverage? Because I think it has the potential to get messy and the potential to get real problematic if this thing, if the two sides don't get on the same page relatively quickly. I think the question is how much self-awareness does James Harden have? Is he aware of of what he was what he did and what he didn't do and where he is in his career and what his actual value is? Um I was on Zach Lowe's podcast last week with our friend Bobby Marks uh as well and Bobby was basically saying like there's no market out there for teams to pay the Harden the max. Like that's the reality right now. We'll talk about Kyrie in a minute. It's kind of a similar situation, different circumstances, but does, is James Harden have the self-awareness to know that he's not regarded as the guy we saw in, in Houston all those years who was a perennial MVP candidate, that he's not playing like that, and it's not just because he's playing with Embiid. Like, like you can only have so many postseason pratfalls before you know that just becomes the, the, the belief in who you are. Like That's the proof. The proof is that this is you. Not, not the couple of times you came through, but all the times you didn't. And... The Sixers have a lot wrapped up in him. I mean, your leverage question is a, is a good one because Harden has the leverage in that the Sixers traded Ben Simmons and picks and Seth Curry and Andre, you know, all that stuff to get him. And the investment is there. Like they are linked to him and they, they can't very well replace him with similar talent. But the question is, what is that talent? How, how, how much can they rely on him? So, and does Harden have the self-awareness too about the fact that, look, you, you, you have to know you're not a guy who's kept yourself in the best of shape. And it has haunted you. And he can say it's the, you know, the hamstring over the last two years. Okay, fine. But all that still goes back to your fitness and your conditioning and how much time you're putting in in the offseason and showing up in shape. So the, everything starts with that conversation first. Before we even talk about, do you does he opt in and then you extend him? Is it a max? Is it short of the max? How much short of the max? How much of a discount is he willing to take if he's willing to, as he kind of hinted at in his uh, final press conference? All of it starts with a, the conversation about where he is in his career and what he's what he's committed to do or what he's willing to be committed to do. Um, and it starts with himself and his body and his game. And then everything else flows from there. So the obvious blueprint is what the Suns did with Chris Paul, right? Where Chris opted out 
of the last year of his contract, which would have been worth $44 million, took about a $14 million per year haircut in that first season and signed a deal with more money on the back end. The Suns are protected a little bit on the back end with some non-guarantees there uh, as well. So I'm sure that's what the Rockets are thinking. But you're right. I don't know what James Harden is thinking. I think James Harden has a lot of leverage in this situation because if he doesn't get what he wants or what he's most comfortable with, all he has to do is opt in and collect a $47 million check next season. Like, that's that's a lot of leverage to me. Like, you know, and he could, it would be a risk for Harden because he'd be betting on himself, but I'm sure somewhere in the back of James Harden's mind, he remembers that it was just like a year or so ago during that first half of his time with Brooklyn that he was playing like an MVP candidate. I, I remember this because... I had reached out to Harden's camp to write a story about him uh, playing like an MVP candidate. So are are those days gone forever? Is his body so broken that he can't get back to being that player? I mean, Joel Embiid, God love him. Like, put him on TV more too. Like, he came out and said, you guys are expecting the Houston James Harden. That guy's not there. That guy's not uh, uh, in the league anymore. This guy's more of a playmaker. Is that what James Harden is at this point? Or does a full offseason, a more productive summer where he spends it working on his body, working on his game, comes to training camp in shape, has a full camp with Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, all that, that whole group of Sixers. And does he come back looking more like the Harden we saw during the first half of that season in Brooklyn? And that would be a risk for Philadelphia to take to go into next season with Harden potentially becoming an unrestricted free agent. So I, I think these negotiations are going to be fascinating. And I think a lot of it, you know, I, I think the relationship between Harden and Daryl Morey is going to be tested here. Like, you know, it, does Morey ultimately cave to what Harden wants because he has such an unflinching belief that James Harden is still a great player? Or... You know, does he draw a line in the sand at some point? Does ownership draw a line in the sand at some point and say, look, we'll pay James Harden X, but if he wants Y, uh-uh, not going to go there. Let him opt in. Let him opt out. Like, I wrote about this on SI.com. Like, you know, James Harden now has, what, like six weeks to kind of survey the landscape and see what's out there. I know what, what Bobby Marks is saying, but don't be surprised if a team emerges that's interested in James Harden. You know, Houston, would they want a reunion with Harden? Maybe. I'm looking at Portland, which has the ability, I think, to clear close to max cap space. And if the Blazers strike out on some of the guys they might want, like to maximize Damian Lillard is adding Harden to that mix, something worth doing. Like I think he's going to have some options in free agency if he chose to choose to go that route this summer. And it's just a dicey game that Philadelphia's going to have to play. Where you know, if you can bring James Harden back on the long-term contract you want, that's best case scenario. But there are a whole lot of worst case scenarios out there for the 76ers if, if things don't go their way. Yeah, I mean, look, for the Sixers, I don't think they want to even contemplate a, a, a quick divorce with James Harden. They probably also don't want to contemplate a five-year max with James Harden. So yeah, the answer is somewhere in between in terms of comfort level. Bottom line is you need a co-star for Joel Embiid. It was supposed to be Ben Simmons. That soured. You held out, I think, rightly. Again, I Daryl Morey made the right decision in deciding I'm not trading Ben Simmons until I get a established star in return. He got his established star in James Harden. Maybe it's the wrong star, but he he succeeded in uh, in his goals. Is Harden now the right guy? They have to have somebody. And if it's not Harden, like you can't, he, if he just walks away, if he opted out and walked away, you're screwed. No matter how good Tyrese Maxey looked, no matter how much you get out of, you know, Tobias Harris or anybody else, like you are you are in trouble if you have Joel Embiid with no true co-star. And so that that is not an outcome they can entertain. I don't think that James Harden at this stage, listen, two messy divorces in an 18-month span, James Harden's going to do this again? And and that act alone is going to scare off teams. Like I don't I, Chris, I don't think anybody's going to to trip over themselves trying to sign Harden to a max deal or anything close to it. The Bobby Marks lists the teams that will have at least um, 30 million available, 30.5 million available in cap room this summer. It's the Pistons, 
of course, have Cade Cunningham in a young group. They're not going all out to go sign a James Harden. Pacers, rebuilding mode, and they got Tyrese Halliburton. I don't, that doesn't seem to make sense. The Spurs, they've got DeJounte Murray. And then the Magic. The Magic have, you know, nothing really going for them and maybe might as well. Is that where James Harden wants to go? Well, I would the, say this, Howard, like, you don't and the have Blazers can and the Blazers can get yeah, cap room. You don't have and, cap and, space until you do, you know. Right, and there's yes, and there's sign and trade possibilities too. We've seen plenty of that. You can engineer it to somewhere else that wants you, and you could figure it out. All right. Well, this, fine. this will let me just but, real quick. This this will also test like whether Harden really wants to win, right? Like, yes. you know, he said all along, I want to go to a place where I can win championships. Uh, Philadelphia represents that type of place. He's got a twenty what eight year old. MVP candidate and Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey's only getting better. Harris played really well at times in this postseason. Like, of all the teams you're mentioning, Philadelphia offers James Harden the best chance to win. Of course. And look, he he forced the trade there. And by some reports, that's where he wanted to go initially anyway when he was forcing his way out of Houston uh, almost two years ago. So it it is on James Harden to fix this. It is on James Harden to fix himself and to recommit himself to the game and to commit himself to the Sixers, to Maury, to Embiid. That's it. It all starts and ends with him. If, if, if in fact, listen, there's also this other possibility, of course. Sometimes guys, especially guards, just fall off a cliff at some point in their early 30s and they're just no longer a superstar anymore and can't do what they used to be able to do. If that's the case, they're all screwed. But if this is simply a case of James Harden having gone through a couple of years, difficult years with injury and maybe some conditioning issues, whatever else is behind it, then then it's easy to fix. Easy for me to say, but easy to fix. James Harden, just go recommit yourself to the game and to your body and to your game and find the best way to maximize uh, this moment in your career and this partnership with Joel Embiid. And if James Harden can approximate the Harden we used to see in Houston, but as a complimentary piece to Embiid, then maybe they will back up all those boasts of a new era Shaq and Kobe, although that was always ludicrous. But that like that possibility of being this devastating one-two punch is still on the table if James Harden is willing to do the things necessary to make it reality. Yeah. Um a lot of that's going to depend on this offseason. And, like, we'll know, like, September 25th or 26th of a training camp's open uh, just how seriously James Harden took the offseason if he's back with Philadelphia. Uh, last thing for you, Beck. Kind of flew under the radar last week. Sean Marks had his end-of-season media availability uh, in Brooklyn. And Marks was asked about, you know, Kyrie Irving and how the team is going to handle uh, Irving's future. Irving, of course, can be a free agent this summer himself. He's got a contract. He can opt into the final year. Uh, here is what Sean Marks said. Yeah, look, I think that's something we've been discussing and we will continue to debrief on and discuss throughout this uh, offseason. And it's, it's honestly not just Kyrie. I mean, you bring Kyrie up, but we have decisions to make on, on a variety of different free agents throughout, uh, throughout our roster. Um, we haven't had any of those discussions yet, so it would be unfair for me to comment on you know, how it looks with, with us and Kyrie because, to be quite frank, he has some decisions to make on his own. So he has to look... Um, at what he's going to do with his player option and so forth like that. But I think we know what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for guys that want to come in here, be part of something bigger than themselves, um, play selfless, play team basketball, uh, and be available. And that goes not only for Kyrie, but for, for everybody here. Howard, I thought that was an interesting statement. <laughs> I just did. Like, in a, st- in a situation like that, the easy thing to do is, like, we love Kyrie, you know, we'll figure something out. But... Sean Marks mentioned availability, which tells me that, like, Sean's kind of knows that while, you know, COVID has receded uh, across the country, the winter months, it can come back. And one of the first cities that's going to implement uh, restrictive, you know, movements, restricted uh, laws, it's going to be New York. And we could be right back where we started with Kyrie Irving if he's not able to play home games. Uh, in New York. What did you take from Sean Marks' comments about Kyrie? Yeah, listen, um, Sean Marks comes from the San Antonio Spurs culture and the Spurs school of never say anything interesting ever. So for Sean Marks in a postseason exit interview with the media to actually say, you know what? We need our guys to be committed. We need everybody committed. We need guys to be available. And to actually, instead of saying the obvious thing, which Every GM almost always says when it comes to 
when they're asked about a star player and his contract status, we want player fill in the blank to finish his career here. We see ourselves with player fill in the blank for years to come. He didn't say those things with regard to Kyrie Irving because he couldn't. He couldn't say it with a straight face. So for somebody who plays his card so close to the vest, Sean Marks really said a lot. He didn't say a ton. It wasn't very elaborate, but what he did say and what he did not say told us a ton. It told us that the Spur- that the the Nets, just like all of us who were observing the course of their season, are sitting back going, how can we rely on this guy? How can we possibly rely on Kyrie Irving? We've got, you know, arguably the best player in the game in Kevin Durant, and we've got two other stars. And three stars in this league, if they're the right fitting stars, should make you a championship contender, not getting swept in the first round. But you got one guy who missed most of the season because of his anti-vaccine stance and another guy who, for whatever reason, Ben Simmons wasn't playing. We don't need to go down that path. Eventually he had back surgery and that's leaving his status in question too. So how much do they think they can rely on either of these guys? And what will Ben Simmons' health be next season? Like on paper, they've got three stars. On paper, they should be a contender next season. But that's like the flimsiest on paper version of on paper contender I think I've ever seen because I don't know what those two guys are going to do how many games they'll play Ben Simmons has never played a minute with this team we don't even really know how he fits with them or what uh what he's willing to do in terms of sacrificing some playmaking and all this like there's a lot of question marks for a team that again on paper is a super team but they were on paper a super team when they had Durant Kyrie and Harden like they they've just keeps going from one volatile mix to the next And this seemed to be the first moment in this time period where Sean Marks basically said, (laughs) it's time for uh, the franchise to take retake control a little bit here. Like we have to just, you know, we have to start making the tough decisions and holding these guys accountable because there's a ton invested in them, both financially and competitively. And, you know, uh, I think I'll just say this. I, I don't think you can go into next season with both of them. You can't go in with both Kyrie and Ben Simmons because you can have one volatile unreliable, unpredictable star. You can't have two. And whether that means trading Ben Simmons, who's under contract and is probably the less alarming player for most of the league, if you can reassure people that his back is fine, Ben Simmons, I think most teams in the league would still give you something valuable for. I know his his, his value has, has bottomed out on some level because of he hasn't played in a year and he just had back surgery. But Ben Simmons is younger and he's... He's a unique commodity, a 6'10", 6'11 guy who can guard every position on the court and handle the ball um, and is still young enough to be able to evolve. But Kyrie at this point, I, I, I cannot think of a single team in the league that would want to take a chance on Kyrie. But uh, I don't envy the position that Sean Marks is in right now. They are capped out. They're in the tax. They have no flexibility. They can't just afford to let Kyrie walk if he opts out. You can't afford to give him a max deal either. Same thing as with Harden. You cannot give Kyrie Irving a max extension or a new max deal if he opts out. You just can't. And I, it, it was just, it was really interesting to hear Sean Marks in that in that press conference. By the way, one other quick footnote on Kyrie. He changed representation again this season. Kind of flew under the radar, but Done he was with Jeff Weck. Yeah. Yeah, he's with, he was with Jeff Wexler for a very long time, a veteran, really respected agent in Jeff Wexler. He had fired a, a couple of years back to hire Rock Nation. This season, he fired Rock Nation and hired his stepmom. And I, I don't know what that means for Kyrie's office. And you can always you can always go back and out and hire another agent. You can go hire CAA or somebody tomorrow if you wanted to. But um, this is the, a really critical juncture in his career. And he's got an inexperienced agent and and one who's, you know, not part of any of the major agencies besides, and is just a family member um, running the show for him right now. And it's, it's not to say that, that she can't do a good job. It's just that there's no experience there. And it doesn't always go well in this league when you hire family members instead of established representation. I wouldn't offer Kyrie anything in terms of an extension. I don't think, I don't think you have much of a choice when it comes to him coming back next year uh, and playing alongside Ben Simmons, I think that's, you know, they, they, I don't know that Ben Simmons has any trade value at this point. I mean, you you kind of threw it out there saying, like, if you convince teams his back's okay. I mean, the guy did just have back surgery that, you know, purportedly is going to keep him out for a few months. I don't know that you're going to be able to sell teams that Ben Simmons 
is healthy, plus there's the willingness to play, you know, wherever he goes. Like, there's just too many question marks around Ben Simmons. But I, I think the big thing is, I think the Nets should say to Kyrie, you want to opt out and become a free agent, go for it. Let's see if you can make that money back in a deal. Let's test your resolve to play with Kevin Durant over the long term. If he's willing to take a very team-friendly deal on an extension, then maybe I'd consider, but otherwise, play out your contract, man. Like, And let's see what happens next year, because next year, like you said, like we said, um, who knows what's going to happen with COVID? Does Brooklyn become kind of uh, a problematic place to play for players that won't get vaccinated? Will Kyrie ever get vaccinated? Clearly, that's unlikely. Um, I, I wouldn't offer him anything. I, I, I'd, draw, I, I'd say this is where I'm willing to go if you don't want it. Opt in, opt out, whatever, but we're not paying you anything more. Like that to well, me that, is the big decision. And it's not just about COVID. I mean, yes, a COVID resurgence and and reintroduction of strict rules. Right? It's availability in general. And also just um, how committed you actually are to the team you're with. I mean, let's quickly review here. He makes the shot of his career in game seven in the 2016 finals and the Cavs win the championship. A year later, he's forcing his way out of Cleveland and forcing his way away from LeBron James, the greatest player of his generation. So does he really want to win when he's forcing his way out of a team that has LeBron James um, and that has gone to the finals every year that LeBron has been there? So he forces his way out in 2017, goes to the Celtics. He misses their entire playoff run. They go to the conference finals without him. That's 2018. 2019, he does play in the playoffs and they get bounced in the second round by the Bucks, four to one. And he seems weirdly disengaged. Of course, all along the way, he'd been talking about how he's going to you know, he wants his, his name in the rafters in Boston, wants to stay the rest of his career. And lo and behold, 2019, he goes to Brooklyn instead. Then he misses most of the 2019-20 season with the Nets because of injury. Doesn't come back for the bubble even, I think, after being healthy at that stage. And then the 2020-21 season, remember, he checked out for two weeks for reasons that weren't entirely explained. Might have had something to do with the, uh, you know, the insurrection at the Capitol. Might have had something to do with others. Who knows? He just checked out for two weeks, didn't play. And so it's not just COVID in this past season and his, and his refusal to get vaccinated. It's He's got a, a now running track record of just being unreliable or disengaged or checking out at the wrong time or mentally checking out or losing interest in the team that he's with or whatever. Again, a hundred and, he's played in 103 of 226 potential games with the Nets. Since arriving in Brooklyn, he's played in 103 of 226 regular season games. Like, I mean, that says it all. And not all of that is injury. And at a certain point, if you're the Nets, you you just have to, you know, you just have to decide whether or, or, or you know, make a judgment. Is this guy really with us? And it's, it's hard to say. It sounds like Sean Marks is getting ready to make that judgment and you know public comments like the ones we heard last week are the strongest we've heard to date about where the nets stand where sean mark stands about the future uh of Kyrie irving uh howard good stuff man headed to the combine with me this week we're gonna uh be combine buddies actually i've bailed out at the last minute on chicago (laughs) i'm going west instead i gotta go see some warriors mavericks oh well i guess then i'm all by myself at the uh, i'll be in the lottery room uh on tuesday Ready to roll. The, you really will be, be lonely. You, you'll have to give up all be, of your electronics. It's going to be me and uh, Sam Presti will be in there. Uh, Tommy Shepard will be in there. Um, you know, no electronics, but can I bring a flask in there? Is that uh, allowed? Like, can you? Yeah. A flask? Yeah, a flask. Of like, like booze. Bourbon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's no, um, to my knowledge, there's no NBA rule against all right. flasks of alcohol in the lottery room. Right. As long as the flask does not contain any wi-fi capabilities yes, yes. <laughs> or cell service the worst I part about that we, i'll discuss it next week on the podcast my experience in there i've done this a bunch of times and i'm sure you've done it as well um yes like i mean he, you'd love to bring a tape recorder in there like <laughs> to, just to be able to record like you, you can get some interesting stuff for some people in the room but like just frantically writing things on a notepad is uh not great for accuracy of quotes right there. In the old days, the first time I ever went in, you were allowed to at least bring your digital recorder so that yeah. you could at least tape interviews that you were doing in there. Then they ruled those out because now everything and under the sun somehow has a Wi-Fi signal aside from perhaps your flask. Um, can I also you just note know. that- You never know. 
So every team sends two representatives. There's the one who's locked in the room with the ping pong balls, as you will be. And then the other representative who's on the stage representing the team publicly. I love the fact that the Thunder are sending Nick Collison, who is listed on NBA media info as Nick Collison, Thunder legend. Love yes. that. Yes. Yes. Legend. Uh, liaison with that uh, that team. And Sam Presti gets in the room. Well, there you go. Sam, see you there. You can't have any of my flask. Howard, we'll do this again next week. Always a pleasure, my friend. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.